Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hi friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're starting the book of Matthew. We've been going through this introduction to the Gospels for the last couple of days, but today we're actually diving in to God's Word. So we're going to be starting with Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. And typically what I'll do is I will read the passage of Scripture that we're on for the day, and then I will explain some things about it, and then I will read it again at the end. I find that that's the best way to kind of wrap up everything we've been talking about and just give you some things to think about as you meditate and ponder God's Word for the rest of the day. Today I'm reading from the NIV, which you can read from whatever version you're more comfortable with. And starting in verse 1, it says, This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheltiel, Sheltiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abihud, Abihud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Alihud, Alihud the father of Eliezer, Eliezer the father of Mantan, Mantan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were fourteen generations in all, from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile to Babylon, and fourteen from the exile to Messiah. Wow, I don't know if you're like me, but I think in years past, I would skip the genealogy section. I would maybe give it a quick glance, and then I would skim through it. Just quick disclaimer, I'm not promising that I pronounce all those names right. So if you have an issue with any of those words, please feel free to correct them as you read them. But I think the genealogy is more important than we might originally realize, especially at the beginning of Matthew's book. There's a couple of things that I want to point out to make sure that we understand the reason why Matthew includes the genealogy and the way that he did. 
In general, the word genealogy, it's a Greek word, and it comes from the word that we use for Genesis, which, of course, you know, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And that word Genesis means beginning. Genealogies were a common way to establish someone's identity in that culture. And so while this feels really weird for us, it was a pretty normal way for their culture to establish. It's kind of like when I first met my husband, I would tell mutual friends, oh, he's Gary's son. It's it's a similar way. And so while we don't necessarily do that very often, we do ask questions like, oh, well, where are you from? Because it helps us get a sense of someone's identity. So this is a much more in-depth way to answer that similar question. But really, this is an answer to the question of where Jesus was from. It made sense in that context. We learn as we read that there are some ways that Matthew's genealogy was symbolic, not just historical. But in general, there was this longing with the Jewish people for the kind of kingship that they had under David, this longing of the Davidic kingship to return and this messianic promise that the Messiah would restore Israel and lead like David did. And so that's one of the things that they were looking for as they were looking to determine who the Messiah was. It's interesting that that Matthew starts by saying the son of David, because that phrase itself carries this messianic connotation. At the time that Matthew was writing, the readers would have heard that word, that term, the son of David, and they would understood that to mean that the son of David is pointing to Jesus as the Messiah. Because again, they were looking at the lineage of David, the son of David to mean the Messiah that was there that would be rescuing them from their situation. He also mentions the son of Abraham. And if you remember, Abraham was the patriarch of the Jewish people. So tracing the line of Jesus back to Abraham would have helped them understand that this Jewish heritage was part of Jesus's identity. I think we can miss that if we're not Jewish readers or we're not understanding the culture and the time frame that he was writing in. Overall, the way that Matthew writes is really a clue to the Jewish audience and the tone of the entire beginning portion of the book, because what he's doing is he's establishing that Jesus is the Messiah, this king, that it, as he's showing that he's coming from David's royal line. So we're going to get into that over the next couple of days, but, but the first four chapters or so are really kind of establishing that. The second point I wanted to bring up to make sure that you didn't miss is that there's an inclusion that is not typical for genealogies of this type. In verses 2 and verses 11, he mentions the brothers. And normally what would happen is only the firstborn son would be mentioned in a genealogy like this. And so when it says his brothers, it would have immediately caused his, his readers or his listeners to pay attention. And so what Matthew was doing was he was symbolically referring back to the stories that his audience would know. And he's talking about the time in Israel's history when they were in exile away from the promised land. So that happened, if you remember, we talked about this back when we did the Psalm study, that happened both when they were in Egypt and then again when they were exiled in Babylon. And so the way that he's doing this He's showcasing this idea that God is a God of restoration. And because when you're in exile, you need restoration. And he's reminding them that this process of exile leads to restoration only through Jesus. 
only through God's hand. And, and, you know, they were in a situation where there was still a lot of foreign oppression. We're even talking during the second temple period of time. There was still a lot of oppression for the Jewish people. And they were constantly in this season of waiting, waiting for restoration, because in some ways they did feel like they were still in exile. And so again, what Matthew is doing is he's laying this foundation to say to them, Jesus is the answer. He is the restoration that we've been waiting for. The third point that I wanted to make and make sure that you understood this, which I think is really important, especially for our audience, there's a mention five times of women, and it is not typical to find women in ancient genealogy. In fact, it's unheard of. And so I want to make sure that we recognize that and then talk a little bit about the reasons why Matthew did that. In verse three, it talks about Tamar. And if you remember Tamar's story, there was a lot of sexual sin, both on her part and done to her. And Tamar was a Canaanite, not Jewish heritage. In verse five, he mentions Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute, Canaanite, not Jewish heritage. He also mentions in verse five, Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite, not Jewish heritage. And then in verse six, he mentions Uriah's wife. And it talks about how she was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Well, we know that she was caught up in adultery with David. And while her specific genealogy isn't mentioned or her heritage isn't mentioned, if she was associated with Uriah as a Hittite, many scholars believe that she was also a Hittite. Again, not Jewish heritage. And so what many think is happening here and what we tend to see here as Matthew is laying this groundwork is there's a foreshadowing of how God used unlikely women and would continue to use an unlikely woman in the story of Jesus. Think about Mary. She was unmarried. She was a young woman. And it was Mary in verse 16, he mentions it, that was the mother of Jesus who was called the Messiah. It was a very unlikely scenario. It was not what they were expecting. But as he helps them remember these other women that were in the genealogy of Jesus, it helps them to understand that there is Gentiles throughout the history of the Messianic line. And what that's doing is it's helping them to understand that Gentiles are included in God's restored kingdom. See, this isn't just for the Jews. Historically, Let's contrast that a little bit. Historically, what would be typical would we would see bloodlines kept pure. And, you know, there's lots of stories about how even the, the thrones that are in place today have done that. But by contrast, the bloodline of Jesus was really messy. And so what Matthew is doing is he's highlighting this because it's this indication that Jesus came to restore that which was messy and broken in a way that only he can do as a Messiah. So, well, I think the temptation is there to just skip this section and jump right into verses 18 and, and beyond. I wanted to take a couple minutes to just point some of these things out because I think it brings a lot of value to the conversation, to the genealogy, because I think, like I said in the past, I would just skip through it. But also it lays this foundational work where we see Matthew is setting up this foundation to teach the Jewish people and to teach us that Yes, Jesus is the king. He comes from this royal line and he is the one that is going to restore us from this exile spiritually. But that also he uses broken people 
like you and like me. I love that aspect. And it's something we see from the very onset of Matthew's gospel. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread verses 1 through 17. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amminadab, Amminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jeroham. Jeroham, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of his exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Alihud, Alihud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Matan, Matan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called Messiah. There was 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the way that even in these few short verses, these 17 verses, we see you. We see evidence of you. We thank you for the way that Matthew starts to lay this foundation to help us understand that you are king. God, I thank you that you were the one that restores us from the spiritual exile that we are in when we live our lives apart from you. And God, even beyond that, I thank you for this picture that we have at the very onset of how you use broken and hurting and lost people. And it's not about us. It's about you. It's about the way that you restore, the way that you work, the way that you operate. And God, I thank you for even this picture of this lineage of how historically, how from the very beginning that it wasn't about being perfect. It was about you coming to restore that which was broken. God, I thank you for the way that you reveal yourself to us, even in our own lives. God, if there are things in our own lives that we are that are broken, that we are maybe keeping from you because we feel like, man, it just doesn't measure up. Lord, I pray that you would help us to surrender those things to you now. God, that we would see that you long to work in the middle of our mess. God, I thank you for my friends that are listening today. I pray a blessing over them as they learn about who you are and the way you reveal yourself to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow, guys. Hey friends, before you go, I wanna make sure you know about our Patreon page. 
The Patreon page is really a place to gain all sorts of resources specifically for the Hearing Jesus podcast and the Hearing Jesus for Kids podcast. There's a specific and dedicated private Facebook group, which is a place for me to interact with you, to pray with you, to answer questions. I'd love it for you to join us there. And there's also another level that gives you the inside scoop on everything else that's going on. The journaling prompts are there. If you've been with us for some time, you know that I usually do journaling prompts that helps us get that information from the head to the heart. We have a downloadable daily prayer prompt that helps you get that information processed in a way that it affects your daily life. There's also a Bible reading tracker on there. There's bonus episodes, lots of things on an ongoing basis, a place where you can get all the resources to help you grow in your faith. And the second thing I want to mention to you is the Dawn app, which if you've never heard of that before, I have good news for you. I just recently recorded a series for the Dawn app and also did some writing for them. And it's a daily Bible study and prayer app that is completely free. The link for that is in the show notes. And then the last thing I'm super excited about, I want to tell you that we're going to start having opportunities for travel. This is going to look a couple different ways, depending on what you're looking for, but it's going to cover things like mission trips in-person retreats, and also eventually a Bible study trip to Rome. What I'm doing right now is I'm getting everybody's contact information so we can start communicating about what that might look like. So if you are interested in any of that, you can head to shehears.org for more information. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.